Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I'm your host, Tamala Shaw. <laughs> Today, we have a very, very special guest. Her name is Susan Gold. We will talk today about a fantastic book <laughs> that she is publishing. She is a coach and just a very, very like soul for me. And I, I'm very, very excited to welcome you to the show. Welcome to the show, Susan. Hey, Tamala. It's like always nice to bang into another earth angel. I've just got to say, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the podcast you are creating and have been producing and for bringing such strong and beautiful and honest and integrity filled messaging forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, and what's so wonderful is I get to have very light souls on like you that just beam. And, you know, I, I normally don't put out videos, but you just have a beautiful glow. And I'm so appreciative. When you messaged me, you I knew it was going to be great because it's the your verbiage is just so wonderful. You said that you had to change moods like a chameleon <laughs> in order to color the mood like people wanted you to be. So, and, and I understand that in such a way, right? Because probably like you, I am an impact. So when I walk in a room, you completely feel what's going on. So even though I have the power of shift, I would just alter and be what was in the room. So I completely understood that. And I really want you to go ahead and tell the audience a bit of your story because I want them to understand how you got there. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to take you a step further and I'm going to say you are a super empath <laughs> coming from the family you have, you and I both have. So I was the middle of five kids in central Pennsylvania. My dad is a genius astrophysicist and he's still with us. My mom was so magnificently talented and she was probably equally as brilliant. <sighs> But her gift was five kids in very short succession before she was 30 years old and a husband who was a philandering Peter Pan and alcoholic. I mean, the dry sink used to open at 730 in the morning and I'd hear that whiskey bottle, the uncork, glug, 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 glug. And the smell of Old Spice and scope and whiskey when I was five and those whisker hugs and his red face. And 
he'd throw me up in the air and say, are you a tiger or are you a baby? You know, and I thought he was really fun. Yes, absolutely. Mm, my mother, Sue, threw food, compulsive overeating. And back then they prescribed diet pills, which was speed. Like I was in my 20s until I put that together. And I also believe she was struggling with mental illness Mm -hmm. and she could be incredibly loving and she could turn on a dime and you'd be beaten and you didn't know why. So it was a very tumultuous, Mm -hmm. unsafe terrain that was constantly moving. I, I don't think that I had a feeling of safety very often. I was always sensing what was going to come around the next corner. And my dad seemed like the hero the whole time. But I was six when I opened the cabinet doors where we kept the cooking pans and the the knives and the carving block. And I took one of those knives out. I was alone in the kitchen and I surveyed the blade and I just thought, if I could just put this through my heart right now, this would all be over. And I was turning the blade, looking at it, just thinking, what would that feel like? And how would it feel like to be out of this circumstance? And my mom thundered, screams from the hallway. And I shoved that knife back in that block so quick and shut the doors. But it was really tough. Mm -hmm. I bet. I bet. So, you know, I always say that there is the word fun is in dysfunction for a reason, right? <laughs> I love that. I've never heard that before. It's and I'm going to take that tomorrow and run with it. It is very true. So I know even though, you know, your dad had all of this going on. And like you said, he was the fun parent. So when did you realize that he was an alcoholic and really just that part. Like, I started to wonder towards like the end of high school. And I remember my sister being embarrassed because he showed up after some football game just and fell backwards because he was so drunk. I think onto a keg he had mm-hmm. with him, you know, for some tailgate or something. Mm-hmm. I knew something was awry. The word alcoholic was sort of banding about in my mind, but I didn't really understand the meaning of that. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, hmm. see, I'm thinking about my childhood and, you know, because mom introduced me to alcoholism. Um, I had a sit down saying, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I'm going to have to either stay for 30 days or um, kind of just do meetings. <laughs> like, but there was no, there was no explanation. <laughs> I'm like, are you like, are you sick? Do you have a cold? Like, you know, you could have told me she had cancer. <laughs> I wouldn't have known. I didn't understand it. So I was introduced to meetings and such pretty early. Um, Altine and all of that, right? So were you ever introduced to those types of things, like something that would help you get through the trauma or the under, just understanding of what was happening? 
my mom had a bout with that. I think she went, was big into Al-Anon for a minute, but I think it was after I left the house. What happened for me is I had red flags come up in my early 20s. I was super focused. I left my home the morning after I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. I was going to get to New York no matter what. I was going to be like Barbara Walters, who I used to watch on my beanbag chair in my belly in my basement. I was 19 living in Greenwich Village on an internship from college. And then I returned after college and I worked in a really glamorous talent agency called ICM, which is still around today and wasn't making enough money. And Barbara Walters became my exercise client. Um, So yeah, a lot of serendipity there. But um, yeah, what was happening was my relationships were getting very abusive and I couldn't extricate myself. I was starting to black out when I drank and not have memory of what was happening. My friends were becoming more fair weather and I knew something was up. And uh, I told a friend, she handed me the number for a therapist and uh, somehow magically I went, I will never forget that bus ride on the Upper East Side. I thought I was going to faint and split apart in the bus because you did not go to a professional and pay them money to talk about your problems. But I went in and I said, my life's out of control and completely unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And he immediately started talking about, was there alcoholism in my family? How much did I drink? You've got to stop drinking while you're in treatment. I mean, this is a miracle because so many people go for so many years and do not understand. Mm-hmm. They yeah, mm-hmm. do not get the gift. So he said, I want you to go to meetings. I said, why? He said, to check out your father's alcohol problem. And he said, you'll want to go to meetings to learn about how alcoholism affects the family. And I said, okay, like I was willing to do anything at that point. I was so beaten. And that's really where I learned about alcoholism and codependence. Mm, That is phenomenal. You know, it's, it's, again, I just knew our story. (laughs) Stories were very similar. I just knew it. Um, And, and what's really funny is how big our grins are now that we're connecting like we're just so happy we're like two little fairy bunnies jumping around on the podcast oh my god we love it i mean it's just healing is just it's this gift that people don't understand yes there are times that it's hard you're not giggling all the time but i tell you as you continue to work and Talk to people who know what it's your tribe, right? If you get people that are in your tribe, you speak the same language, you sit back and you understand exactly what the other person is going through. And it's like, you know what? You got this. I've been there and it's all good. (laughs) The water's warm, right? You just have to keep going. That's all it is. You just have to keep working. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, it's just like with alcoholics, they have, they may, um, what they call fall off the wagon. Codependents may have slips, you know, but you just get back up and you re you reassess those boundaries or whatever it was that you may have slipped on and you stand back up and it's okay because you're going to keep going, right? Ah, so yes, we are. We, it, it shows that we've done the work. And I'm, I'm just grateful. So let's talk about your book. Can you please tell me the title? Oh, gosh. Okay. It wasn't my title. It was my publisher's title. Sort of my part of it's my title. The title is Toxic Family. 
transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom. And that is the truth of the book. My original title was Magical Illumination, because that's what I feel it's been. I'm so grateful to know now what I do. I'm so grateful to have walked through the pain and the agony, the clinical depression, the narcissistic abuse, the the recovery modalities, the silent meditation retreats, like all the stuff, you know, I'm so grateful, right? Because we're living in a new zip code. Yes. And and let me just say, because I'm, I'm actually in, (laughs) I'm putting in the works a silent, (laughs) a silent retreat. That's what's just amazing. Because I think people don't understand that you have to understand when to be quiet. There is a time that you have to go inward and be quiet. And that is work. So to teach that and to be in that is beautiful. It keeps you cognizant of when to do what. So all of the things that you just named, (laughs) you know when to do it, right? Okay, so I'm sorry, let's go back to the book. Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. So we've talked about, you talked about narcissism. So you've dealt with that. You've dealt with clinical depression. Can we get into that for a moment? Can you explain to the audience what clinical depression is? And then I'll tell you what it, yeah, I'll tell you what it was for me. I was four and a half years sober and I was in the middle of a business deal. Um, that replicated my role, one of my roles in my family. And that was to break up my parents' fights. One night, um, it's about 1130 at night or so. And I heard my f- father and mother in a huge fight right outside my door. My mother was begging for her life and asking my father not to kill her. And I jumped out of the bottom bunk where I slept with my sister who was still sleeping. And I opened the door to see my mother on her knees and my father with his arms above his head with an object in his hand. I screamed, stop, and then promptly fainted. Hey, good people. Have you discovered that you have codependent characteristics and you're not really sure what to do with that? Well, I suggest that you go out and grab my workbook. It's called The Codependent Me Workbook. You matter and your story matters. And it really walks you through healing from codependency. Talk about your goals, boundaries, detachments, bunch of journal entries, all the things that you need to get started. You can pick it up today at Amazon. Thanks so much. Bye. And here I was in my, let's see, my late 20s in the middle of a business deal where I was bringing talent together for this huge corporate celebration. There were about five acts and it was really intense. And I was the broker in the middle of two parties, just like I was the broker between my parents and their fighting. And it triggered trauma. It triggered PTSD. And I went into a clinical depression and I got suicidal. And this was not my first suicidal depressive experience, but it was very intense. And I didn't know how to get back into my body and recover. And I had friends. That's one thing about recovery. You have amazing support at your fingertips if you choose it in the form of others who have walked the same walk. 
And my friends recognized where I was and they got me into a treatment center for codependence. There I was four and a half years clean going to my first treatment center. And of course I got there and they did blood tests and they told me I needed a, a, a serotonin boost. And I was like, fluff you, I'm not taking any medicine. And my mother would always yell at the top of her voice, you're going to end up in a crazy insane asylum. You're crazy. And here I was like facing it because I would not take this medication. They said, we're going to lock you up in the psych ward. If you choose not to take it, you have the night to decide. So I got down on my knees and I prayed and I asked for help and a 17 year old angelic heroin addict. And I bumped into each other in the morning and I told her, what was happening. And she said, if you came to this treatment center and hospital with the issues you had, they did blood work and they told you they could help you just level the playing field with this non-addictive medication, would you take it? And like put that way, I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. So I was off and on antidepressants for 10 years. And the point of truth was it helped me, whether it was placebo or not, it helped me get on stable footing and out of that depth of black gray that you don't think you can break. And then I learned, I learned the signs before I got that deep. Mm. And so I haven't needed medication in decades. That is so wonderful. So trusting, um, just the whole identifying and because like you said, because of everything that you have gone through prior, normally you would say, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to do that because of the fear that it might take you into where you were in the past. I think that that's, that is hero stuff. That's <laughs> fantastic. Um, but I also find it very interesting how the PTSD came back up, how you were, how this business deal, I want people to understand that PTSD and trauma can rise from things that you just don't even, you don't connect it at the time, but once you do the work, you see the connection, right? I love how you put that, like you were, you were the person that was in between the two to make things right is how I is how I heard it. So in the situation where you passed out after seeing your your dad over your mom, when you came to, what happened? Can you share that? Well, what I remember was that I got back up, they gave me a drink of water, they stopped their arguing, and I got back in the bottom bunk and went to sleep. And the next morning we pretended that didn't even happen. Exactly. <laughs> That's the, I knew, I knew it. And that even within you, you fixed it. Like you fixed that situation, even if it's just by screaming. But you had to take that weight (laughs) with you and act as if everything's fine. Mm. Okay. Narcissism. You talked about narcissism. Can you tell us how that played a part in your life? So it's like that alcoholic word 
the narcissist word was the same thing. I I heard the word, right? I I learned to spell the word because that's a tough one. <laughs> but, but I didn't really understand the full implications. And it's been slathered in every cre- crevice and cranny. I mean, I worked in the business side of the entertainment industry. You see it in spades. I lived in Los Angeles. I mean, it's crawling. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> With at least self-absorbed, if not narcissists. But um, I met the man of my dreams and um, I thought he was. I thought I went to LA for a job, you know, and it was a great career opportunity, but really it was to meet my greatest guru. Mm -hmm. And that was the man who would become my ex-husband. And he too was a Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. He just um, could not grow up and I covered and I cleaned up and I carried and then I bought a home for our family and we had a son Mm -hmm. and I carried again and I was almost drained dry and I knew the expiration date was up on that marriage and I drug him to mediation to create a post-nuptial agreement that I thought would save our marriage. And we got to the last point and I thought, oh my God, yay, my family's not going to break up. And his eyes went into those cold lizard-like slits and he crossed his arms and he said, I'm hiring an attorney and I'm filing for divorce. And I heard that angelic intuitive voice that has saved me so many times and I've kicked them under the carpet and out the door so many times that I heard that voice say, this is the universe doing for you what you could not do for yourself. And it was one calendar year. He held court in the master bedroom of our domicile. And I, by choice, took a mattress across the house into a partial conversion in our garage And I stayed there for a calendar year and I created a monastery in that room and I did the internal somatic work it took to explore narcissistic abuse and what that was because it was so difficult to extricate myself. I was terrified. Here I was like so accomplished, pulling the weight and terrified to be Mm -hmm. on my own. But I was on my own within that relationship anyway. I did not make contact, including eye contact with him in that same scenario. And that's what it takes to successfully leave a narcissistic and abusive relationship. That was so hard. It was brutal. And within a calendar year, which I consider a total success, especially the way they can drag these things on, I wrote him his six-figure check and he could go on to his next source of supply. And that is how I learned about narcissism. And I have compassion for him that he chooses to live in that painful way. And I'm so grateful that he is a guru because he ultimately taught me my authentic power and an exquisite kind of self-love and compassion. 
it was easy for me to do that for others and take care of others, but to finally say no, and I'm going to do that for myself. That was like perfect storm and pivotal lesson of this lifetime. Yes, absolutely. I mean, hmm. How long were you married? Um, I think we were married 11 and a half years and oh, we were together so for 15. That's a yes, very, 16. very long time. And you build that trust. And like, because I, I read that he was your guru. And I was like, that's just, you know, I love that you still give him that. He 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 placed something in your life. You know, that was, oh, he, yeah, right. He's one of my biggest teachers. Take, right. It doesn't take that away. Right. So, you know, some people, um, once they go through the, the bad and that experience, they don't still give that, um, I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to use the word honor, but yeah, you know, it, it mm-hmm. he, he taught you. Right. So that's, I love, I love that. I really, really do. So Jamala, actually, I think that's part of my purpose here on earth. I think that's why I came in. To Mm -hmm. share that perspective, you know, I'm going to light people's hair on fire to look at it a different way because, man, did that serve me ultimately. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) that's good stuff. (laughs) So I'm glad that um, you had a chance to share that because I think that's important for people to hear for sure. So you have a consulting company. Would you like to talk about that on the show? Oh, well, I think if people feel drawn to me, Tamala, in any way, you can just go to my website, susangold.us, and everything's there. You can just go right there. So only if you feel drawn. I love that. And you also offer a free audio. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And then they can can read a portion of the book as well, correct? Yeah. And they can call me up and have a free conversation. Tell me their story for a half hour. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your story. It's all on the website and only yes. if you feel moved. Absolutely. You'll know. I don't know how they couldn't, but you know, <laughs> it's susangold.us. I love that. So is there anything else that you'd like to share about the book before I get into, um, I have a couple other questions, but. Well, I've been told the story is riveting, but what I've been told what really connects people is there are work um, exercises in the appendix that create a bit of a workbook. Yes. And these have truly helped transform others. And they're things that I still use today. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what, that's how you know it works, right? Because that's why so many, like I have a workbook and it's like, I believe in the workbook because that's what I use. <laughs> it's like, if I use it, you know, and I'm, I'm, I do the work. That's one thing about us. We continue to do the work. And I, I will, I told my uncle just yesterday, I said, if I ever find a day that I feel like I can't grow and learn, I, you might as well just take me out. There's <laughs> no reason, no reason to be here. <laughs> I can grow and learn every single day. And that is why it is extraordinary to me every time I wake up. Ah, I'm just grateful. So the question that I have for you is if there is someone that's listening and they happen to be in a, in a relationship or in a situation, because it doesn't have to be a, a relationship, let's just be clear, it could be family or whatever, 
where they are dealing with people who are in addiction? What suggestions do you have to try to move their life in the right direction? Well, first, you have to be clearly aware. And then you have to accept that fact that that is indeed the truth. And that does take time and understanding. And that's when you can take a point of action. I do not suggest you do it alone. You don't necessarily need a professional, but you do need someone that you can confide in and trust. And these cycles are circular. They only repeat if you're really honest and truthful. Give yourself the opportunity to unlock the door and press it outward. Mm, That's good. And I love that you said it takes time. I read an article and you said in there, and it's, I completely get it. You're so used to doing things. You know, you make a plan, you get it done. You make a plan, you get it done. But healing, it takes time. When we say trust the process, (laughs) it is a process, (laughs) but it's doable. And And enjoy the journey along the way. That's why journaling is so important because every day you'll move forward and you may not even realize the progress that you've made until you go back to where you were and read, oh, I was there. You know, it's like watching a child grow every day. You really don't see them grow because you're looking at them every day. But if you were to jump and see them in six months, it's like, oh my gosh, you've grown three inches, right? (laughs) But so that's why journaling is so important. So I love that you say, take your time, be aware, because you may not, you may not get that right away, but it's okay because you matter, right? So it's worth the time. Is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience? I just want to share one experiential exercise and it doesn't take long. And it's a way that I get my central nervous system back to home base. So just take a deep breath in and out. And either you write a left hand on your solar plexus, which is at the top of your rib cage, just below your heart and say to yourself or out loud, I am okay. And that is it. And you can do it in the bank. You can do it in the grocery store. You can do it at your desk. You can do it making eggs in the morning. That little tip has saved me over and over and brought me right back into the truth. I love that. So audience, please understand if you're in traffic or you're about to, you know, you're in the grocery store and and you just feel that anxiety coming up. You can absolutely do it in that moment and you will feel the difference. I promise. Susan, this has been fantastic. It's been really fantastic for me. I like, yeah. Let me get out my wallet and write you a check now. Venmo, PayPal. (laughs) (laughs) This is so wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the Codependent Me podcast. This has been a phenomenal episode experience. And I just feel as though this is not the last conversation that we will have. (laughs) Um, I'm grateful. And I would like to tell the audience 
thank you for choosing this podcast. I completely know that you can choose any podcast in the world, but you chose this one and I'm grateful. And I want you to remember that you matter and your story matters and have a wonderful day. Until next time. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me. And check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.